0: Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Learn to think differently. Learn to live differently. God wants you to do more than just survive. He wants you to thrive. be changed, be renewed, be transformed. Well, good morning once again and welcome. We are at the very beginning of this seven-week campaign called Transformed. And for those of you who have been uh, with us for the last few weeks, we've been warming up to this we've been preparing ourselves and getting ourselves positioned because we want god to do something that only god can do and that is shape us into the image of his son and we're going to be looking at seven key areas in our life over the next seven weeks here where we're asking god to do just that to do the thing that that sometimes we are unable to do on our own and that is to grow now i'm not talking about eating food that seems to come pretty naturally for us and we grow in in those kinds of ways but to mature and to develop you know, sometimes you look at your kids and you think are they ever gonna grow up I would beg to uh... to present this that sometimes we look at adults and we say the same thing don't we? <laughs> are they ever gonna mature <laughs> are, th- are they ever going to develop you know that's actually God's plan for you and for your life that ought to elicit a, a pretty uh, hearty amen if you're, you're thinking about that and you're thinking about the people in your life that, that you want to see God's character developed inside of them. But God's looking at you. He's, he's looking at you, and he's saying, you, you're the one. I want to see my son like come to life inside of you. And so there's these seven key areas where we're asking God to grow us and to shape us. And our key verse for the next seven weeks is Romans 12.2. I woke up this morning, and in this technologically savvy world that we live in, I was able to say, hey, Alexa, what's the verse for the day? And guess what it was? Romans 12.2. For those of you who have the YouVersion Bible app and you like that, um, this, is, this is the verse for the day. And somebody came up to me after the first service, and they said, I fact-checked you on that. And I was right. I'm not making this stuff up. Okay, let's read this. Romans 12.2. It says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Everybody say transformed. Transformed. That's not bad. If you want to change something in your life, you don't start with your actions. You don't start with your feelings. Scripture says you just start with your thoughts. And if you can change the way that you think, then you can change the way that you feel and you act because your mindset matters. That's a pretty fundamental principle with this campaign. Your mindset matters. The way that you think is so important. And we're going to take that principle, this Romans twelve two principle, and we're going to apply it to these seven key areas of our life. Today we're, ta- we're going to start with spiritual. Uh, next week, physical, and then mental and emotional, relational, financial, vocational. This is a, a broad spectrum of our life. And we're saying, God, how can I change the way that I think about these things so that I line up with your purposes? Because when I line up my thinking with God's purposes, this is when scripture says that transformation comes. So we're gonna line up our thoughts, our mindset matters. Transformation changes us from emptiness to fullness. It's what the world's looking for. It changes us from failure to victory. That's what we all desire, and from insecurity to courage. Transformation actually helps us become all that God wants us to be. And so what I'd like to say in this very first session, in this very first week, which is so foundational for the rest of this campaign, as we begin looking at spiritual health, what I want to say is that there is a natural drift that occurs in humanity, and it's a drift that leads us towards selfish ambition not godly commitment it's a drift that leads us to areas of unhealth not holiness now we all want to be close to god and i'd say that you probably wouldn't be here today if you didn't want to be close to god in some way but the bible says something that's a uh, this passage that's a very telling passage it says that all of us are like sheep And we've gone astray and each of us has turned to our own way see in other words like sheep we tend to wander you don't have to teach a sheep to drift they just do it by nature they wander and that's why the shepherd has to bring them back on a regular basis sheep really aren't that bright of an animal sheep will walk off of a cliff sheep will walk into a den of wolves sheep will go into difficult and dangerous situations. They'll just wander in. Sheep tend to wander. And the Bible says, all of us, that's you and me, we're like sheep. We tend to go astray. We don't tend to stay close to God. We tend to to wander off and to drift. And so this weekend, as we start Transformed, we need to talk about what does it take for us to get close to God and stay close to God. Again, this is so foundational. So it's where we're going to begin. How do, you, uh, how do you get close to God? If you've fallen away from God, how do you get back into a good relationship with God? And there's a powerful story that Jesus tells on these, uh, along these lines. He tells it in, in uh, the book of Luke. You'll see an insert in your uh, bulletin today. The passage was so long, we decided it'd be a lot easier to just put it in your hands. And we're going to read through this today, and we're going to pull out some principles on how to transform your life spiritually. This is Luke chapter 15, verses 11 to 24, and I'll start with verse 11 and read here. Then Jesus said, a man had two sons. The younger son said to the father, Father, give me my share of the property. He's talking about his inheritance. So the father divided his property between his two sons. After a few days, the younger son gathered his possessions, all of his stuff, and he left for a country far away from home. There, he wasted everything he had on a wild lifestyle. He had nothing left when a severe famine spread throughout the country. He had nothing to live on. So he got a job from someone in that country and was sent to feed pigs in the fields. No one in that country would give him any food. And he was so hungry that he would have eaten what the pigs were eating. Finally, he came to his senses. He said, how many of my father's hired men have more food than they can eat while I'm starving to death here? I'll go at once to my father and I'll say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and you. I don't deserve to be called your son anymore, but make me one of your servants. So he went at once to his father and while he was still at a distance, his father saw him coming. He ran out to his son, put his arms around him and kissed him. And then his son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and you. I don't deserve to be called your son anymore. But the father said to his his servants, Hurry, bring out the best robe. Put it on him. Put my ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf, kill it, and let's celebrate with a feast. For my son was dead and has come back to life. He was lost and has been found." Then they began to celebrate. There's two things I like about this passage. Um, Number one is is it tells, again, a a pretty transparent story of how, like sheep, we tend to wander. We tend to get selfish and we say, give me my stuff. Give it to me now. (laughs) Give me my freedom. And then we take it and we go. And we blow it. The best part of this story, though, the thing I like most about it is how the father longs for that child to come back home. It's such a beautiful passage, and we're going to look at this today, and we're going to gain four things that are important in regards to spiritual health, on getting close to God and staying there. And so we'll start out with this. I don't know where you're at today. I don't know if you've allowed something to come between you and God. Maybe you're far, far away from him. Maybe this is your first time back in church in a long time. Or or maybe it's just been one week where you feel distant. You don't feel God's presence in your life. I don't know where you're at. But I do know this. We all long to be close to God. So our, our question is, how do we get back to him? How do we get close to God. And there is a pathway that's laid out in this passage here we're going to look at. I want you to look at these with me. Number one, the very first one, is that I have to get fed up with my life. I have to get fed up with my life. Now let me explain. I have to get fed up with things that aren't right in my life. It's not that you get to a point where you just don't like yourself and you don't like you. You don't like the way that things are going. Nothing is going to happen in your transformation until you first get dissatisfied with the way that things are. Now that's true in your personal life and that's true in a church. Until you get dissatisfied with the way that things are. If you think, I'm fine, I'm just fine, it's fine, I don't need any change in my life, then the reality is that transformation is dead before it ever begins. You have to get to a point where you say, I'm not going to live like this anymore. I'm too stressed, I'm too empty, I'm too discouraged, I don't like the life that I'm living right now, and I'm tired of something being between God and I and feeling distant from him. You've got to get desperate, you've got to get hungry for change because nothing happens until you get fed up. In the story it says that the son wasted it all. He wasted everything. He had nothing left, and then he got desperate, and he got hungry. And it says this. This is such an important part. In fact, you could circle this in your notes today, in your your scripture passage there. It says, he finally came to his senses. Let me ask you this. Have you finally come to your senses? That's not derogatory. That's saying, have you finally come to the place where you say, That's enough. That's it. I'm not doing this anymore. Because that's where transformation starts. And if you're there, that's great. If you're not there, it's really important for you to understand that God may allow a little rain in your life. And if the rain doesn't do anything, then he may allow a storm to come. But as believers, it's so vital for us to recognize that oftentimes God allows storms in our life because he's calling us home. See, he often makes you desire change by making you dissatisfied with the way that things are going. When you start saying, I just don't like the way that I'm living, I just don't like this, listen, that's God calling you home. The first step in transformation is for you to get discontent, to say there's got to be more to life than this, there's got to be a better way to live, is a very... Poignant passage in Jeremiah 29, 13, if you look at this with me, God says this. He says, you will find me when you get serious about finding me, and you want it more than anything else. See, oftentimes we have our pursuit of God as a little side cart on life, and God says, until it becomes the, the thing, the most important thing, until you get serious about finding me, you're not going to. It's a big deal. So first, I've got to get fed up. Second, I own up. I own up to my sin. It's the second thing that this young man did in verses 17 and 18. It says after he finally came to his senses and he realized, this is ridiculous. I can't keep living this way. I'm not fulfilled. Um, This doesn't make any sense at all. It says after he came to his senses, he said this, I have sinned. I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against you, Father. Nothing happens in our transformation until we get to this stage two. And stage two is you've got to own up. You've got to face up to the fact that you've not been living God's way. I've been living my way. I've been doing it the way that I think is best. I've been doing it in a way that tries to control everything around me. So I I own up. I own up to my sin in Isaiah 59.2, we looked at this passage a couple of weeks ago. It tells us that our sin has separated us from God. And until we own up to that sin, we're stuck. See, the fact is that you're as close to God as you choose to be. One of the things that I have come to recognize on a regular basis in doing ministry is that people often like to blame others. Not you, not you, probably the person next to you, or maybe it's in a different church or something, right? Obviously not you. <clears throat> but listen, you can't blame your spouse for where you are in your walk with the Lord. You can't blame your parents. You can't blame your siblings. You can't blame your employer. You can't blame the government. You can't blame circumstances. You're as close to God as you choose to be And you've got to own up to that sin. You've got to own up to the stuff that's between you and God, and you've got to say, that's my responsibility. And when I own up to God, when I say, God, I've blown it. He's not surprised. But there's something absolutely powerful that happens. And you've got to see this passage with me. Look at God's response. When I own up to my sin, Psalm 51.5 says this. The Lord says, no matter how deep the stain of your sins... I can remove it. I can make you as clean as freshly fallen snow. Isn't that an amazing verse? He says, no matter what you have done, I can remove it. Guys, this is like the OxyClean scripture verse of the Bible. You guys watch that OxyClean uh, commercial, right? No matter what the stain is, God can take it out. He can remove it from your life. And you may have thought, God's never going to forgive that sin. He's never going to forget it. I mean, I did a really bad thing. But God says, no matter how bad it is, I can remove that stain. But you've got to own up to your sin. Here's the third thing. First I get fed up, then I own up, and then I offer up myself. I offer up my life. I offer up all that I am. And this is the third thing that we find this young man did. He got fed up, says he came to his senses, and then he owned up. He said, I've sinned, and then he offered up. And I want you to see this passage. This is such a, a, a beautiful picture of transformation really happening. You'll notice in Luke 15, verse 12, if you've got your notes there still in front of you, the son, the son started out by saying, give me, give me my share, give me my stuff. It was a very selfish perspective. And then in verse 19, it says he returned to the father saying, make me your servant. Did you guys notice the change in attitude and in thinking here? He goes from, from saying, Give me my share, to saying, Make me your servant. That is transformation. That is true transformation. When your heart moves from self centeredness to God centeredness, that's transformation. When you move from saying, Give me my stuff, give me my freedom, give me my space, God, to saying, God, make me your servant. Transformation is in full swing. It's in full swing. Are you there yet? Have you moved from saying, give me my stuff, to make me your servant? Because that is the greatest transformation of all. It's you moving, again, from self-centeredness, to God-centeredness, and we know that transformation does not happen overnight. If there's one thing we've talked about consistently over the last few weeks, it is this passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 18. I want you to look at it with me one more time. We reflect the Lord's glory and are being transformed. It's a continual process. It's not instantaneous. It's a work that God is doing in you. We are being transformed into his likeness, with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord. Listen, God loves you, and he has great, great plans for you. He plans to invest in you over your lifetime. Oftentimes, we fall into this, um, this skewed perspective of saying, I am the biggest project that God has ever taken on. It's just an I mean how many of you guys feel that way? Right? I've got so much junk in my life that this is going to take forever for God to straighten me out. Listen, here's God's perspective. I love you so much that I am going to invest in you for your whole life. You've got to change your thinking. God has such a great plan for you. He is willing to invest in you for your lifetime. That's transformation. Is saying, I will start right now as soon as you give me that opportunity. And Scripture says, from glory to glory, from maturity to maturity, I will invest in you for the duration of your lifetime. And he is calling you into that transformation. That's what he's asking for. But there's a decision that starts that process. And it's when, like the son, the lost son, when you say, make me yours. Make me yours. I mentioned that Romans 12, 2 is is one of our foundational verses. We read that at the very beginning of of the message today. But I want to read for you the verse that comes directly before it. This is verse 1, Romans 12, verse 1. It says, In view of all that God has done for you, offer yourselves. See that? I, I offer up myself to Him. Offer yourselves as a living sacrifice. Offer all that you are, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. And then it leads into verse 2. If you do this, if you offer yourself to the Lord, then don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Transformation will truly begin when you offer yourself to God. It's important for us to take just a moment here before we move on to the fourth point to notice the father's response in this story because it's a beautiful response Luke 15 verse 20 says that his the father ran out to his son threw his arms around him and then in verse 22 it says he said bring out the best bring out the best robe, bring out my ring bring out the best shoes bring the fatted calf all these things notice he didn't wait for the son to come to him While he was still in a distance, Scripture says that the father ran out to meet him. And it's important for you to understand the moment that you say, God, I'm tired of living this way and I'm coming home. God has been waiting for that moment your whole life. And he runs out to you. He takes the initiative. He throws his arm around you and he says, I know you blew it. But get him cleaned up And bring out the best for him. Get a feast started. This is my son. See, God doesn't hold a grudge against all the dumb stuff that you've done. Now, somebody should have shouted hallelujah right there. (laughs) Because we've done some dumb stuff, haven't we? God doesn't hold your sin against you. Do you understand what that means? I've done some dumb stuff in my life. Don't repeat that, Addison. (laughs) I've done some dumb stuff in my life. I've sinned. I've fallen short. God doesn't hold that against me. He doesn't hold a grudge against the stupid stuff. In fact, Scripture says that he's ready to lavishly pour love on me instead. He says, bring out the best for my son who blew it. (laughs) Bring out the best for my child who I love has come home. And it's in that holy moment when you come back home to God, you come back home not in condemnation, but you come back to God in celebration. And that's the final piece. It's that I lift up my praise I lift up my praise. It's the response to God's unconditional love. This is, this is the finishing the loop on this transformation, this spiritual transformation. I just say, thank you, God. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for not holding my stuff against me. And I just lift up my praise to him. Luke 15, here's what the Father says. We're going to celebrate with a feast. He was lost, but now he's found. Do you, do you do you recognize what the son did? Blew half of his father's inheritance. The gifts that that father had given him. The blessing that that father had given him. He blew it. Wasted it away. And when he came back, the father celebrated. He had a celebration when his son came back home. Listen, I don't know where you're at. We started out with this today. I don't know where you're at. I don't know where you've been. I don't know what you've done. But God does, and he loves you anyway. And he celebrates you when you just turn to him. Guys, if we could carry that with us in life, it's what this world looks for. It's what they long for, it's what they need. A true depiction of the character of God, not condemnation, but celebration. He wants to celebrate you being with him. He didn't want you to be distant. He didn't want there to be stuff between you. He wants to celebrate you being near him. And as we as we transition in, in this service now to in just a moment, we're going to. Receive communion together. Communion was um, a piece that fits in this puzzle perfectly today. In First Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, it says that on the night that, that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and, and he broke it. He's, he served the very first communion. You might say he instituted the very first communion with all of his disciples. but it says something very important here in verse 23. it says that Jesus spoke a prayer of thanksgiving. He took a moment to just say thank you. Now, I I want you to think about what would Jesus have been thanking the Father for in that moment? Here's what we do in these moments of thanksgiving. This moment of communion, again, that we'll celebrate here in in just a few, that we, we pause and we say, God, thank you, For what you did on the cross, thank you for your grace. Thank you for not holding my sin against me. Thank you for loving me and receiving me back home. Thank you for celebrating me. God, I didn't deserve any of that. I didn't deserve what your son Jesus did on the cross. The Greek word for for thanksgiving is Eucharist. We may call it the Lord's Supper. We may call it communion. You may have heard it called the Eucharist before. Eucharist is, again, just simply a Greek word for thanksgiving. And when we take the Lord's Supper, when we take communion together, we're lifting up our praise to God. It's this this final act. It's, It's coming full circle, and it's saying, God, thank you for your unconditional love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for all the things that you've done for me. I receive that, and I thank you for it. And again, in just a moment, we're going to celebrate communion. and Scripture says that it's open to all people who've come back to the Father. Everyone who, like that lost son, just returns home and says, "I've, I've sinned, make me yours. It's lifting up our praise to God. Before we do that, before we step into that moment, I want to take a moment here to just pray with you guys as we close up the sermon part. Of our service today. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. We do this on, on a regular basis because, in part, because this is a holy moment between you and God. and You don't need any distractions. And we don't need to be looking around. We need to be listening to God. And so I'm going to ask if you just bow your head right now. And we're going to pray. Father, um, God, we, th- we thank you for your grace. God, when we think of it, it it's easy to get overwhelmed because we know that we don't deserve that kind of celebration. We don't deserve uh, that kind of welcoming home when we come to you. But God, you love us so unconditionally. It's, it's hard to understand. But we're grateful, God. Thank you for that. And Lord, we, we just want to say as, a, as your children, Lord, we're fed up with having anything between us. We're fed up with living apart from you. We're, we're fed up with life without you. We're fed up with trying to do things on our own. And, and God, we own up to our sin. We confess that we're, we've allowed things to come between us and make us distant. But we, we come back to you now, Lord, and we, we offer up ourselves to you, and we say, make us yours, Lord. Transform our lives. Today, if you've never accepted Jesus' gift of salvation, I just invite you to pray this. Just pray, Jesus, right now I accept your gift of salvation. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. And I ask you to forgive me of my sins. And I give myself back to you now. I offer myself up to you. And I say, make me yours. Transform my life. It's in your name I pray amen amen listen today i need i need two more minutes okay i need two more minutes today um, if you prayed that prayer maybe it's the very first time that you've ever just said god i'm yours or maybe you've drifted and you just needed to come back to the father and you said all right lord make me yours again As a church family, we just want to be able to celebrate and support you in that. It's the biggest reason why we ask you to do this next thing, and that is on the back of your connection card is a yes box. And it's simply just an opportunity for you to communicate to to the church here. I made a commitment to follow Christ. I said yes to Jesus. If you'd take a moment and check that box and put your contact on there, we'd love to, to get in touch with you, to pray with you, to support you, to be your family, to be your church community. And at the end of our service today, we're going to have some prayer teams up front. And here's what I'd like to encourage you to do. Um, Take that card to them, hand it to them, and they just want to start right now just to be able to pray for you. And if that's something that's just a a major stretch for you to do that, there's another opportunity for you as you leave today at our Welcome Center. There's a, a little box there where you can drop that card in, and we can just shoot you an email this week and let you know that as a church, we want to be your family. We want to be your community. We want to celebrate with you. In fact, let's take a moment and celebrate right now. For those who made that commitment this morning. Hey, we've talked about why small groups are really important in this campaign. We've, we've talked about how you get back to God, how you get close to him. But in your small groups, in your classes this week, they're going to be studying the seven healthy habits for spiritual growth. These are really important things. That's why we've encouraged you. Get plugged into a group. If you haven't done it yet, stop by in the foyer today. I think Pastor Joe will be out there. You can just corral him and just say, get me plugged in somewhere. But make sure that you get connected there. They're going to be talking about seven healthy habits for spiritual growth. Let's pray one more time as we close this morning. Father, thank you again. Thank you for forgiving us. Thank you for restoring us. Thank you for celebrating us, God. We ask that you would... Do this work of transformation in our life. God, not just over the next seven weeks, but Lord, the way that your scripture says, God, for our lifetime, that you would shape us, you'd mold us. We're yours, Lord. We offer ourselves to you and we ask you to shape us to the image of your son. It's in his name we pray and all God's people said, amen.